I'm feel, like, you know, it's weird. Like, I'm personally opti- optimistic about like my year and how things are gonna go, but at the same time, I still think like the world is coming to an end. So <laughs> it's a mixed bag of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> about the right amount of a mix yeah yeah you could uh, feel that yeah but um yeah no i'm just really excited to go i'm and i'm glad that we have an excuse to like like have you on here and even like promote something just because uh for people listening um uh like like getting this podcast uh started in terms of like promoting it and having like any fucking idea like what uh I, I I was doing in the beginning in terms of like social media stuff like Gina here is like 110% responsible for like <laughs> literally like the first six months maybe even more of like just like promoting it and like getting a, a sense of like how to do something like this so um yeah no, no Gina, you're like, giving me way too much credit you totally shaped and ran with this this has become bigger than I I hope you're really proud of it because I'm proud of all that you've done and all the interviews you've had. And I'm just honored to be, to be on as a guest. Oh man. Well, it's, it's a, it's a long time coming. I'm, I'm glad to have you here. And, uh, I know you just, uh, wrote, um, uh, uh, a book and and we're going to dive into that. But if you just want to like take a sec, just let everybody know, like, you know, who you are, what you're about and all that. What I'm all about. Oh, gosh, synthesizing (laughs) that down has been uh, currently on my brain. Um, But I'm Gina Russo. I prefer the pronoun G, but um, I use she, her with my wife as well. What I'm all about. I'm currently in marketing, but the dream, the goal, the ambition is to be a full-time writer. And uh, the children's book we're going to talk about, Sydney's Adventure in New Mexico, was actually a departure for what I want to write, which is a queer romance novel. So by have getting out of a writer's block, I got some advice from an author that said, why don't you just write something else, anything else? And that's where I got the idea for the children's book. And I'm a child at heart, so I, I actually think it was perfect. Um, and I love my dog probably too much, um, but just, you know, the little bit unhealthy amount, um, just the right amount. So it, it, I think it came together and I'm finally starting to be proud of myself about that. But that it came out October 7th. That's taken a while for me to actually recognize that as an achievement. Yeah. Um, it's as crazy as it, it, I, I'm, I'm actually glad we're, we're doing this now because you're catching me in a time where, uh, I am actually uh, in the process of writing my first uh, film script. So, yeah, yeah. Um, So I feel like like I'm just going to learn so much, you know, in terms of like the mental process of writing. Um, Because, you know, what I realize is that uh, I love creative writing um, and that I thought I didn't like writing just because of like most of the writing I've done, like probably most people is, um, has been assigned writing from like teachers and professors mm-hmm. and just getting paid. And I, and I feel like I've associated writing papers with like procrastinating and like meeting deadlines and shit. And it's like, Oh, like write a 12 page 
uh, paper about like fucking Jane Eyre, and it's just like, dude, you know. But and so maybe that's that's not my cup of tea, but. Uh, just creative writing and like putting my ideas out. I, I recently noticed that I, I loved. But um, for you, like, what was that like? Because I didn't even know that you were a writer. So, um, you know, like, what, what, for, like, where is this coming from? Like, how, how young were you when you realized that you were like really into writing? I probably first heard the story from my father when I was in middle school that when I was born, he called a psychic, which is very uncharacteristic of my father, by the way, and um, just told him he had his firstborn daughter and wanted to learn what her life was going to be like. And the psychic told him that I was either going to be a teacher or a writer. So I don't know if it was so much that I first loved it or I was told that story and then I grew into loving it. Um, I think it's a bit of both. I think there's a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy there. Uh, you tell someone this is what they're going to be and they're going to do it because in a lot of ways, I've also been a teacher. I used to teach ballet. I teach, train, quote unquote, um, at work all the time of how to do things. So. I think there's a little bit of that, but I also, that was the first thing I was recognized for. Uh, pinpointing it again back to middle school, I was good at writing. It was the one thing that in school, I was an okay student, but it was the first thing that someone said, oh, wow, this is really good. Or, um, you know, I'm proud of you for this or what whatnot. I think those words, especially as someone who needs a lot of self-reassurance um, or reassur outward reassurance, like who doesn't? that that's what you glom onto and want to do more of, right? Um, I And then in high school, I was one of two students who scored the highest on the writing section of the Connecticut aptitude test or whatever that stupid standardized test was called. <laughs> um, but again, I think it was just one of those moments of being recognized, being like, hey, maybe I'm good at this. And then ending up double majoring in um, communications and journalism in college. And again, getting the admiration from professors. And um, one article in particular I wrote stands out. My professor said, this needs to get published. This is really good reporting. And again, you just glom on to those moments of external validation, right? Um, and maybe that's self-centered of me I don't know but I just think that's human nature you want to be told you're good at things um, someone recently told me that with parenting styles if your parents didn't show you how to be confident as in you know gave you a skateboard and let you fall and get back on and do it over and over again but they just said things like they're proud of you you're constantly going to look for that outward validation versus feeling it because you actually just got up and kept doing it. And I think that goes back to what I was saying is I'm finally just starting to be proud of it because there's more of my children's book because there's more reviews coming out about it. So I'm getting that dopamine hit of external validation. Yeah. Man, I, I love that. And I and I I think I'm like in the same shoes when it comes to music too. And uh I'm just glad that um you know, 
I, well, it seems to be the case for both of us that we uh, not only is that like validation a big part of it, but then to like actually know deep down that you really love that thing that you're getting validation <laughs> for is uh, it's a relief, really, because um, I was the type of kid like I, I got in trouble all the time in school. Like I didn't get like great grades. So like my report card was just like F, 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 A, F, F. And, like, that A was music. I was, like, in the same week, like, getting suspended for, like, like threatening to, like, hit this kid with a belt. Which he deserved it, by the way. That's a different story for a different time. But, like, in that same week, I'm, like, by they were, like, reading my name, like, over the announcements in the morning. Uh, saying that, like, I got this, like, uh, performance award uh, in, in, like, the band I was in uh, that I would go to, like, on Saturdays. And, uh, like, that felt good because, like, in every other avenue, it was, like, literally a shitstorm. And, and mm-hmm. so, like, going, you know, so when you go, like, you know, going through music school and then, like, those years after, um, especially when you're just practicing and working on your stuff and, you're, and, like, you're literally just alone. You're not, like, getting that reassurance. But then, like, you realize, like, whoa, like, I, I like, really love this shit. Like, I, I, I would do it even if no one is uh is watching me doing do it and it's such it's such a relief because like i mean imagine you know like even with your writing if you just found out like and and a lot of people do in the creative space like they find out that really like it was just all about that validation and once that goes like the desire to do that that you know whatever that uh, creative endeavor is just completely disappears so uh, I guess that's just like a long way of saying like kudos to us. You know? <laughs> Fair. And I will say though in, so I'm on my second draft of my queer romance novel and I got, I had a beta reader, which the, I'm not sure if you know the lingo, but for any listeners, that's just someone who reads what your draft is and gives you feedback. And um, he tore it apart. So it was the, it wasn't the first time my writing has been critiqued. I've been in workshops where that happens but it I still the fact that I still want to pursue it and still want to work on it and I'm still trying to make it into something I think um does go back to what you're saying of like you really have to love something to stick with it because that val- outward validation isn't going to be there external sources aren't going to tell you it's good if it's crap if you are asking the right people and that's exactly what he was doing for me um, but I wanted to uh, add on to what you were saying, because I could totally relate to, you know, despite all these other things going on over here, you're still getting commented good on this. And for me, starting that writing journey, again, back in middle school, I have also just made this connection, like it's a total full circle moment for me. I was, I'm waiting on a uh, accurate diagnosis, but I may have PMDD, which is post uh, menstrual dysphoric disorder which Mm. basically just means I get depressed very badly every month. And I, that started in middle school and now it all makes sense because despite that depression, I still got sent, I scored the highest in my class, my English classes. I got sent to a writing workshop, the only one in the school, like all those things were still happening. Even though my teachers were calling my parents and saying, you know something's wrong with Gina (laughs) because I was so depressed so I I can just relate to that um having that outlet yeah and from my why you know um 
understand a, a, about uh, depression. I know that uh, uh, it's it's so much harder to identify in uh, high functioning uh, people. Um, I think I think we all or, or not all like most of us tend to think that like depression is like having like a fucking like garbage filled room that you haven't left in like three months. But uh, yeah, no, some of the I mean. I think yeah, the the extremes can can go in any direction. Some of the busiest people that do like the objectively do the most fun shit are are that I know like are are depressed. And then of course you know that that uh, um, you know, and then of course you get it all the way on the other side. But yeah, that's just so. I mean, that's that's a, amazing to to recognize in in yourself, um, and. I guess like in in something I'm I'm curious about, you know, going back to the writing is like what in your day-to-day life just like working, obviously like any other adult, you got bills to pay and stuff like that. Um I'm curious to know like what was that mental process of saying like okay, I'm I, I like need to do this because obviously this you're a debut author. This is your first book, and what was it like? Like I don't know if you put writing as a whole on the shelf, but um, like what was it like getting into that mindset of saying like, all right, I'm gonna write my first book and like really put this out and do it. Mm. It was a mind shift for sure. A lot of the author events I attended uh, all said you need to read and you need to write every day. You need to be as of a student as you are uh, a writer and you need to take note from other authors and what they're doing out there you need to do your homework basically and you just mentioned a slew of things as a functioning adult that you need to take care of which doesn't leave a lot of time for for writing for reading for research for getting yourself out there um, and to stay motivated and to want to do it every day and return to it because there's also that quote unquote second shift, right? You talked about everybody has a job, everybody needs to do pay their bills. Well, they also need to clean the house. They need to do the short, well, maybe you don't, but (laughs) that was on my list, right? And how to reprioritize that, how to um, put writing first, right? Because, right, right? Because it it needs to get done if you want to have a successful launch, if you want to have a debut book. And and that's what I did is I actually made a schedule for myself. Um, I actually had a life coach at the time help me uh, create what's called a project design. And you feel into the future feeling because it's very hard to keep yourself motivated day in, day out with all those things. So if you go, okay, I need to write the first draft. How am I going to feel when the first draft is done? I'm going to feel elated. I'm going to feel some relief. I'm going to have some more room in my brain for the other ideas to percolate. I'm, you know, you can go off of this. And then um, one of the other suggestions my life coach had made was to give myself rewards. So maybe not every task, but every four tasks, give yourself a reward. And this isn't just like a sticker system, but it could be buy a bouquet of flowers, um, Uh. buy a candle. You know, it doesn't also have to be money related. It could just be 
watch a TV episode, <laughs> right? Like just give yourself the permission to relax and return to whatever needs to get done because this was a huge learning process for me. And I, my illustrator, Brooke Genzano, she made beautiful illustrations for the, bro- the book. She said the phrase uh, trial and error, try and er- error always. And we just kind of leaned into that for the process because you know, this was our first children's book for both of us, our first book and our first children's book. And we, we made mistakes along the way, we adjusted, we pivoted, and we have a product that um, we would have changed some things about, sure, but I don't think any first time author is fully satisfied, but perfection is the enemy of done. And it's a, it's still a product we're proud of. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that's, uh, um, I imagine like, like, cause with music, when you make a song, uh, you know, of course you can always sit on it and say, man, oh, well, what if I did this? What if I did that? But I think even with writing, it can be even more of like a self torture process because you can literally look at every single word and say like, oh, is that, is that the right word? Did I phrase that right? Did I like, and you, you could, I mean, you could spend a week on a page. So it mm-hmm. like, like, what is that? So then, you know, so you get to the end of your book and like, what, what was that like? Just saying like, okay, is this done? I guess I'm done. So now I'm done. And like, I'm just letting it go. But what, what was that like for you? Oh, that, that was hard. Letting go is hard. There's this phrase in the writer community, um, only forward. And it means instead of using the backspace to only continue writing forward, because you will belabor every word. So I had, I had written a draft, I wrote a second draft, I wrote a third draft, I had people read it, I edited it, I did it that three more times. And then I hired an editor and worked with her. And finally, you know, we went back and forth twice. And that draft was to a point where I was like, I'm not going to sit here and tweak every single word to perfection. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to drive myself absolutely crazy. So I slept on it. I was satisfied with the piece that we had, what ended up being the final product. Um, But I wanted to see if I would change anything else with just fresh eyes. And that's what I did. And looking at it, I, I was, I was happy. I thought we hit the rhythm. There's this whole sequence of um, Sydney, my dog, uh, hair going up and her tail going down and then her hair going down and her tail going up. And uh, some of my coworkers have bought the book and now that's a phrase they say to me. And I, I, having it reflected back, I think it hit all the points that it needed to. And it was very, it was very hard to let go of making it perfect but in children's books you have to hit the rhythm um, which i'm sure you can appreciate as a musician and you you have to have a takeaway and what i can see from people reading it in the reviews is that both those things are there so if i've hit those two marks i'm happy and that that's what i had to say to myself in not editing it more because it could have it could have been edited more it could have been a different version book but 
um, as you can tell, and me trying to answer this question, it was very hard for me to let go because those are your words. That's your, um, I mean, same with music, any artistic thing, that's your work. I think people have a hard time um, when it's not, yes, a book is a physical object, but those each words are almost intangible and in how you string them together. I'm not sure I've fully grasped how people think of it as a as a writer, as the receiver of that, how much writers like myself are antagonizing over every single word and driving themselves crazy. Um, because I did that this morning while I was writing. I was went backspace, I was like, no, that's, I don't like that, that's dumb. And I was like, wait, just keep writing. Uh, so I, d I don't know if readers take that away from the writing process. Yeah. And, and man, this is so, uh, I've never, until you, you know, just hearing you speak now, I've, I'm realizing that uh, I've never really thought about how intentional your writing has to be when writing for kids. Because you're right, there is this like rhythm to it that's uh, almost, I mean, it, in some, uh, uh, like, I guess in instances, uh, it really is musical and that like with Dr. Seuss, you naturally just want to like put a beat behind uh, uh, every word. And um, I'm curious to know like how, uh, maybe I'm overthinking it, but like how narrow of a target audience do you have to like make it when writing for kids in terms of like, understanding like the cognitive abilities of like let's say a book for five to seven year olds compared to 11 to 13 you know mm -hmm. or eight to ten like how do you does that come first like like before writing a kid's book do you think to yourself like here's the age i'm writing so that you can like know the language and the way you'll write it yeah that's a great question that was a big learning curve for me because well, I'd never written a children's book before. I didn't know how it worked. I just figured, oh, anyone under the age of 10, they're a child. Yeah. Uh, and that's who my market is. But that's a very wide market. And I had narrowed it down. I wrote, I wrote the first draft and just, you know, geared towards children. Let me see where I come out because I didn't know how young I could write the average reading comprehension i think is now up to 10th grade like for a national average um this is something i've used in marketing before when writing social media copy when ad copy whatever you want a wide range of people to be able to absorb that copy so that reading comprehension can mean anything with big SAT words down to um, just the simple, simplistic language and how many emojis you are using. Because if you think about screen readers for vision impaired people and how that is sounds uh, being read versus you actually reading it. And also for people who have English as a second language, if it's not simplified language, it may not translate well on their phones. Um, I digress into saying that because it, my, of how I understood that is translating that to children, that comprehension and all those things you make adjustments for um, work for the age groups as well. So like I said, I wrote the first draft and I was like, okay, I'm definitely not three and under. This is, you know, more than Big Bear, Big Bear book <laughs> or Caterpillar book. 
And I definitely have a story that I need kids to understand as far as like, there's a road trip happening and there's some things that the pictures give you context for that the words aren't telling you, right? Because I wanted my words to be used for the rhythm. I wanted my words to be used um, for the story of Sydney's nervousness in different situations. So you needed a kid to be able to take more away than they were being told. And that's where we landed on an age group of three to six. So to answer your question, the, the age groups are actually rather small when marketing and when publishing, you know, the book is available globally and it's required that you are fit into an age group um, and you have to pick. Uh, there's, um, like I said, the zero to three and or zero to just before three, three to six, it's about three years for each age group, but it has to be chosen so that each site that carries your book can can sell it to the right audience. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that that's, uh, I think, uh, um, I mean, I'd, I'll speak for myself and, and probably many of uh, my listeners that I, I think it's really easy to underestimate like what goes into, well, writing a book and putting it out in general, but especially a, a kid's book. Cause I think, I think it's one of those things that um, people, people probably think <laughs> they can do like singing. A lot of people think they can sing. They, they fucking can, <laughs> but like it, it's, but then like you realize, you realize like how, it's kind of crazy like what happens to the brain when like you decide to be intentional about something and like you realize like damn this is actually way harder than like I, I thought um oh yeah I definitely yeah. had that moment I was like <laughs> why am I I said several times why am I doing this why why am I doing this and I kept going because I knew it was a project that I could finish and I needed to see that I could do it for myself and finish it. I, in my research, like I said, all those author events I went to, they were invaluable. Said be as good of a student as you are a writer and learn from people who've already done it. And what you just said of so many people think they can do it. And so many people try to do it because they think they're gonna make money. I'm just glad my words are out there. I haven't broken even on the book. And I say that not for any other reason than to share the point that this isn't a money-making scheme. This isn't a, um, I thought I could do it because I've seen other people do it because a lot of the YouTube videos will say the same exact thing. Don't do a children's book if you're just trying to do it for money. Don't do a children's book if you think you can Turn it out in a week. It took me two years to yeah. do this children's book. So I, it is not for the week of mind or week of heart. <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. Wow. And I guess getting into the the book itself, um, obviously Sydney is is uh, your dog. Which uh, and of course I've met uh, Sydney. Just uh, I, I my favorite thing about. Uh, her is 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 the athleticism like just the the like sheer like it, it's 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 incredible like you have the the perfect dog in terms of just like they're like they like she is not lacking any physical abilities whatsoever um super high energy like just really i remember like the first like one of the 
first things that stood out was just like how curious she is. So I guess, you know, getting into this story about uh, her in, in, in New Mexico, I'm curious because obviously you could have written about any experience that you had with her. It could, you could have written about your day-to-day experience, but I'm, I'm curious, like, what led to you, like, specifically uh, writing about uh, your trip with Sydney to, uh, to New Mexico? Yeah, well, there is a hope that Sydney's adventure becomes a series and that I choose more locations, with California being one of them. I think um, doing something on the beach would be a really fun story to tell. I have another draft um, I'm currently working on for another book, which is a departure from states. I thought I would do all different states. Like, I, I thought there was an idea for it to be a series with the first draft in mind. And there's, you know, those week or good night San Francisco, and it has one for each city in the state. And it's a good marketing capitalistic thought but the draft that i am working on now is called sydney's bad bath which i guess could fit into the adventure umbrella um but that's an aside to all say that's being worked on and why i wanted to pick a state so i could focus on other states afterwards and we had just gone to new mexico and i had observed sydney like you said, she's very curious. I had observed her being very curious, but also very nervous in situations. And something that I'm often um, just super present to is whenever kids come by. And this, she's a pandemic puppy, so people can judge me for my training or not. But I think she is a well-trained dog. But she did not have a lot of exposure to kids when she was a puppy. And they say you have six months to do as much exposure as possible to eliminate any fears as an adult dog. And restaurants she has a hard time with. She doesn't understand why a person approaches the table and brings food and like disappears and comes back. Um, So there's a scene in the book where a waiter comes and she growls at them and doesn't understand why they're talking to her moms, uh, which is a very cute scene in the book. And that, that actually happened in in a form. I didn't write it just as everything happened or it would have been not a fun, enjoyable book, but uh, there, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico is vibrant. It had a lot of dog-friendly activities. We could bring her everywhere. It's unlike a lot of places we visited in that way. And uh, as I said, I had observed all those nervous moments. And one of the things I wanted people to take away is the body language and what how to how to notice things about a dog because going back to kids kids will just be like oh cute puppy and run and want to pet your dog and love on your dog and we were in uh, the grove in california once and this kid just stuck his hand on sydney's head and she turned around and she didn't bite him but snapped at him as a warning, like, hey, don't pet me, because also dogs don't like to be pet on their heads, um, especially Sydney. Mm. So I did hope for a lot of things with the book, but that is one of them is, hey, dogs give you cues. They may not be able to talk to you, but they do talk to us with their bodies. 
of how how that is happening and again witnessing her on that trip her being nervous and how she reacted but how she still enjoyed the trip um made santa fe the perfect story to tell and use new mexico in that way because um writers write what they know and that's the easiest place to start is start with um things that have happened or or use inspiration um from the world around you the book i'm reading now actually the main character is a writer in the story and she goes to a coffee shop and finds a muse in the coffee shop owner. So she returns every day and uses what the coffee shop owner says to her or what's happening in the coffee shop in her writing um, to keep her her story going, which uh, is, is funny, but I, it works, write what you know. Yeah, man, and I, I, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really like proud of, of, Cause I know, like, especially the uh, the older we get, and like the more that's on our plate, it's so so easy to tell yourself that like you're you're doing enough, and that like, you know, uh, uh, you have an excuse to like not you know follow that passion or dream. But I think the fact that you you stuck with it and really made it happen um, is is commendable especially when you put like that uh creative side of you maybe away and then bring it back out because i think um when you're in this this space it's such a big part of your identity that there can be this whole like mental and emotional part of like you know, putting yourself back into those shoes that uh, is really under, uh, uh, understated, I, I guess. Like you don't, it, I don't, I don't think a lot of people outside of like the creative, um, space, like really understand like how much that like fucks with, uh, your identity for like most of us when like bringing that mm-hmm. back. So I think that like, like I, I, I know people who, um, you know, in your shoes, like the whole process from like beginning idea to the day it it hits a shelf could take like 10 years. So the fact that Mm -hmm. for you, it took uh, uh, two years and you just like got it out is, is, uh, is really commendable. Thank you. Appreciate that. And honestly, uh, speaking of 10 years, I had started working on my queer romance novel in 2019. It's 2023. I'm still not done. I haven't queried it yet. I would like that to get published. That was the main goal, objective, right? Um, I was so frustrated that I hadn't made anything happen. And, you know, the worst thing to do is compare yourself to other people. But I, again, I think that's a human nature thing as well. And during the pandemic, a lot of people were productive. They were productive as fuck. <laughs> Yeah. And they they got books released or I'm using the proverbial they as to the people I was comparing myself to on social media and whatnot. But I was so frustrated with myself that I couldn't achieve and I couldn't do something with my writing. And um, over the years, I've had friends who said, oh, you should start a Wattpad. And I had a blog for a while that had some readership and different things that just really never took off. And 
I I wanted something for myself. I wanted that um, like byline feeling when you get published, um, which goes away a little bit now that the internet is just, you know, a whole thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, I it stemmed from so many things, but I think even the ugly parts, which I'm calling my frustration an ugly part since it stemmed from comparison, but it should be acknowledged that all ideas don't have to happen beautifully and perfectly for it to become an end product that is beautiful, right? I think any book, anything that's put out into the world is a beautiful creation and it it deserves that. It Even if you're frustrated and you want something to happen, um, I don't know, I'm rambling now, but <laughs> I just need to acknowledge that it was also out of frustration of me not getting anywhere with my other book yeah yeah no and i i mean i feel like um again like especially as creatives like our job is like somehow uh what the ugly emotions and thoughts the positive ones like it, it it's um and it's easier said than done but like our job is just to somehow find a way to like ball all that up and like point it into the right direction um mm. You know, I, I mean, a lot of, for example, musicians, um, some of their best work comes from like the like objectively worst period of their lives. And uh, yeah, it can be weird seeing other people uh, celebrate <laughs> something that was so painful to, to you. Um, but I, I, I guess that's what uh, being a, a creative is sometimes. So I think the fact that, you know, you were able to, to just find a way to make it work and, and use that as like fuel to, to get it done is, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the goal for, for uh, every artist and, and author out there. So, um, you know, uh, just, too. oh, sorry, go mm -hmm. ahead. I was going to just add that it did do what I wanted it to do in what that author mentor said to me is just write anything else, just write something else, anything else, just make it fun and see where it goes. And that ends up being Sydney's adventure in New Mexico. It got me fueled to return to the queer romance novel, to take all that feedback from that beta reader and turn it into something else. And I've actually made a lot of progress in the past couple months and it feels good there's um two different methods of formatting and, and outline or the plot of your book there's um plotting or there's pantsing and i've learned i'm a pantser which means i just kind of let it unfold as i go um, and I, it seems to be shaping up into a book that i would actually want to put out and i'm just excited by that so not only do I have a children's book out there, but it did achieve what I wanted to and get me back into a healthier mindset around the romance novel. Yeah. And uh, before uh, uh, we get you uh, out of here, I have uh, a pitch for you um, in case okay. that you, you do uh, make this a series. Now, I already know the answer is going to be no, but hear me out. <laughs> All right. You're so, so sure? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm 100% sure because this does not make, make any sense. But <laughs> Sydney goes to Iraq, somehow mm -hmm. joins like, um, like a militia or something. She like become, like she's like 
And then like just somehow like like you know the you know this is like where the writing will come in. But like somehow she ends up on like the top ten most wanted list by like every Western country, just from like like I don't know. Is there like a like a like a crime like kind of spinoff we can do with Sydney or something? <laughs> I can see that because just because it's a children's book doesn't mean we can't do a spinoff into a YA graphic novel. Why Damn. not? <laughs> I appreciate you even entertaining that. But uh, <laughs> I think I just, in my head, like I, I, the, the thought of it, like just going like very like dark out of nowhere is just hilarious. <laughs> I think she needs a crime fighting buddy for for that pitch right there. Because I actually did a poll on Instagram, you know, does Sydney need a friend in a future book and have more dog interaction happening? Um, so I think that could come in with your pitch. Okay. All right. We'll, <laughs> we'll workshop it at some point. But yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I'm I'm uh, again I'm I'm uh, uh, really proud of you. I I bought my copy, um, and uh, I'm like honored to 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 own a copy, and um, yeah, I mean just just mm -hmm. I I know how I mean being close to musicians that have uh, spent you know years on putting out an album. Um, uh, at, emotionally, it's it's the exact same as uh, 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 putting out a, a book in terms of that just, you know, combination of like all those, you know, emotions and just, yeah. So congrats on just getting that done and, and putting out, uh, not only getting it done, but like putting out a good product. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to like anything uh, else that, that you put out. Of course, we got to have you back on if you, you know, uh, whenever you have like more. That sounds amazing. Thank you. I'm truly humbled every time a book is sold. It, I'd, I'd had no goals. This, this is a terrible marketing 101 strategy, by the way, for <laughs> any listeners who are thinking of doing something similar. Set yourself some goals for sales and whatnot. But the goal was getting the book done, right? The goal was getting it put out there. And I did. So I didn't have any sales. So when we had 47 pre-orders and we've sold over 100 books online, it feels amazing because yeah. I learned 90% of self-published authors never break 100. And I already have in a couple months. I'm, I'm completely humbled by that. I, I'm honored and it, there's my external validation. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> oh, man, there it is. Well... Yeah, no, for uh, uh, everyone listening, um, there'll be uh, links to like where you can get yourself a copy. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I, I'm, this is like one of the things I love about uh, the podcast is that, uh, you know, just not only being able to talk to awesome people like yourself, but just being able to prom promote good shit. So thank you, Gina. Thank you. Thank you for calling my book good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and for everyone listening, um, that's it. We are done. But yeah, go get yourself a copy. And uh, until next time. Peace.